Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In the News, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, what's next for Donald Trump? When American President Joe Biden met Russian President Vladimir Putin in Geneva this week, they talked about human rights, cybersecurity and nuclear arms policy. It was short on public drama, unlike the last official summit between the two nations in 2018. That was when former President Donald Trump, standing beside Putin at a press conference, was asked if he would confront the Russian leader about his alleged interference in the 2016 election. Would you now, with the whole world watching... Tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016 and would you warn him to never do it again? All I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Speaking after the summit this week, President Biden had a slip of the tongue. I caught part of President's Uh, uh, Putin's uh, uh, press conference. The nature of Trump and Putin's relationship has been the source of so much strife and controversy in American politics. Perhaps it's unsurprising that Trump was on Biden's mind. Putin also talked about Trump. Well, even now, I believe that former U.S. President, Mr. Trump, is an extraordinary individual, talented individual. Otherwise, he would not have become U.S. President. He's a colorful individual. But although Trump's name was in the air in Geneva, his influence on the national conversation back home seems to be on the wane. A Pew study found that, as time goes on, Trump's name is being mentioned less and less frequently in news stories about the Biden administration, even from right-wing sources like Fox News. Is Trump finally fading into irrelevance? Suzanne Lynch is our Washington correspondent. So, Suzanne, I suppose for most people, Donald Trump over the last four or five months has been extremely quiet, certainly compared to the previous six years. Where has he been And what has he been doing since he lost office? Well, uh, just last month, he moved from Florida back up to his golf course in New Jersey, uh, not that far uh, from New York City. Um, But really, Connor, for the last, you know, for the four months after the end of his presidency, Donald Trump and the Trump world established themselves in Florida. They moved, they decamped uh, around close to his Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach, 
We saw his daughter Ivanka Trump and her husband Jared Kushner. They bought a, a sprawling property in Miami. His son Donald Trump Jr. and his girlfriend Kimberly Guilfoyle uh, bought a house in Florida. So that has been very much the centre of gravity for Trump world. Um, he has had a kind of steady stream of Republican politicians who've gone to visit him, who have gone, many people would say, to pay homage, if you like. We see the odd photograph coming out on social media of Trump meeting these people. In saying that, I was actually down on um, a nice little holiday there uh, a couple of months ago in Palm Beach. And it was quite interesting. You know, everyone was talking about the fact that Trump was just down the road in his Mar-a-Lago state, but no one had seen him. He very much uh, sticks to his own home, his own place. There were rumours that he was kind of very depressed. He was very down. That seems to have changed in the last few weeks. He's been seen out a bit more. But it was mainly his own world in Mar-a-Lago and meeting people who came there in different events that are on in this private club, playing a lot of golf. Uh, And then, as he does every year, as I say, he just moved back up to New Jersey now for the summer season. And of course, he, he has made sort of a reappearance in that he addressed a major Republican gathering in recent weeks. What else has he been doing and saying in recent days? Yeah, so he spoke at the North Carolina um, Republican Party convention that was private a couple of weeks ago. Now, if you want to really drive him crazy, you say 12 more years. Before the plague came in from China, that's where we were going. We were going in a direction like we had never seen, the most successful economy in the history of our country. So that was his first big speech uh, in a couple of months. The main way he's communicating now is through statements that his office puts out mainly to journalists. So, you know, every day I get a statement from, it's called the Save America PAC. It's kind of written in very much Donald Trump language, stream of consciousness, lots of exclamation marks. And he kind of just shoots out these emails when everything has come into his head about what might be happening. So that's kind of his main line of communication now. Apart from that, it's the meetings he's having in his private uh, office and the fact that these Republicans are still going to see him. There are suggestions that they are there to try to get his support as Republicans, that there are lots of elections next November, the midterm elections, they want him on board. So that's kind of where the focus for the Republican Party is at the moment. And they seem at this point to be trying to enlist Donald Trump or at least keep him on their side ahead of those elections. Good afternoon. And we start with some breaking news. The president, President Trump, has been banned indefinitely from Facebook and Instagram. They're going to continue that ban for two years. But at that point, they will reconsider. And of course, one of the reasons why he's been so silent in the last four or five months is because of the multiple bans from social media companies like Facebook and Twitter. He set up his own social media platform, I think it was from the desk of Donald Trump, but that now is closed as well. It was reported that Donald Trump's blog from the desk of Donald J. Trump has been permanently shut down after only a month due to low readership. Has that been seen as an embarrassment in the Trump camp? And do you think his lack of a social media presence is having an impact on his base, on his broader support outside of the Republican circles that he he, he operates in? Yeah, I think it's it has been hugely uh, significant that he was banned from those platforms. And of course, there's a whole debate we could get into about uh, the timing of those. So Twitter and Facebook moved to remove him after the Capitol Hill riot on January the 6th. So basically in the twilight days of the Trump presidency, a lot of people would have said, you know, they should have moved before then. It was easy for them to ban him because they knew he was just about to leave office anyway. But uh, apart from the rights and wrongs of the, that decision, 
it is undoubtedly the fact that it had a huge impact in terms of dampening his impact on public consciousness here in the United States. He has gone really from the media landscape here. Uh, we hear very little uh, from him. But the issue of his own blog, I think you are right in that. I think it was an embarrassment for him. Now, he has tried to spin that and his team have tried to spin that saying this was only ever one part of a strategy. And they, it, they had to close it after less than a month because there was, there was very little interaction with that blog. Now, to answer your question about what next, we've heard a lot of hints from Donald Trump about a return to some form of media platform. Facebook has now banned him for another two years. And that's quite significant, the timing, because it means he won't be on Facebook in time for the midterm elections I mentioned next November 2022. But um, actually, in the last couple of days, there's been an interesting development. Jason Miller, who's a longtime advisor and spokesperson for the president, announced that he was ending his, his run with the president to assume a CEO position at a new unnamed tech startup. So that has fueled speculation that maybe this is a, uh, a company or a social media platform that's been set up that, that Trump is going to use. Uh, so look, we'll see what happens there, but that, that could be a sign that he's planning some kind of a return to social media in a new forum. And have you noticed, or has there been any noticeable decline in support for Trump since the cataclysmic events on Capitol Hill in January? And have the voices of the critics within his party grown louder or have they been softened? Well, Connor, look, this is a really interesting trend over the last few months. And it did take a while, I think, for things to settle. I think it is fair to say that the city and the country was traumatised by what happened in, on January the 6th, the attack on the Capitol. Uh, Donald Trump was impeached for a second time in the dying days of his presidency over his role uh, in inciting that. And even here, as I said, talking to you in Washington, I mean, there's still evidence of that. It's still heavily fortified. There's still fencing around the White House. It's just beginning to open up now. But what we saw was there was outrage by some senior Republicans at the time, people like Mitch McConnell, who was the most, you know, the top Republican in the Senate. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And Kevin McCarthy, the top Republican in the House. The violence, destruction... And chaos we saw earlier was unacceptable, undemocratic and un-American. They all criticised Donald Trump. They all criticised what happened. But as the weeks went on and the months went on, it has now become clear that that criticism, to answer your question, actually has subsided. There was a poll out just in the last couple of weeks. It was Reuters' Ipsos poll that showed 56% of Republicans believe that the election last November was rigged. And 53% of Republicans think that Donald Trump is the rightful president, should be president. So obviously, you know, that's a huge figure, Connor, and it, it opens up huge questions about the, the state of, the, of democracy, quite frankly, in this country, and about Trump's grip on the Republican Party. And isn't that grip remarkable? Because over the course of the four years that he was in office, Donald Trump presided over the loss of the House of Representatives in the first instance, then they lost their majority in the Senate. They also lost the White House. He's been impeached twice. But still his dominance within the Republican Party, if anything, it's actually stronger now than it was four years ago. How is that possible? Yeah, it, it's fascinating. I mean, he didn't really achieve that much. He didn't follow through on a lot of the promises he, he set out at the beginning of his tenure. Um, I think there is a kind of a, a, you know, a coalition, if you like, between Trump the man and, and Trump the supporter in that he is tapping into the sense of grievance that exists among a lot of the electorate here 
who are annoyed, like, you know, everyone is annoyed if their person doesn't win. And his sense of victimhood and grievance is kind of, it's, it's been echoed. It's chiming with a lot of these supporters. When we went to bed on election night, when they told us they stopped counting, we woke up and there was a vertical spike right for Biden. 130,000 votes approximately. That's when I knew there was a problem. Now, as my buddy Steve Bannon says, if you're going to lie, be believable about it. Because you do not have 138,000 votes come in. and So you, you can see it with members of Congress here. I mean, they're not stupid. They're caught in a bind. They know Trump is popular among their base and they don't want to alienate their supporters who like Trump. But they're not, they know that he was appalling on lots of levels. They, they know that privately. But what they want to do is they kind of want to forget about him. They just want to, you know, they don't want to talk about the Capitol Hill riot. They're like, let's all move on. And I think a lot of them privately would like Trump to, to get off the stage. You know, as I said there, you know, he's, he's down in Florida. He's now in New Jersey, as like a kind of an old, somebody described him as like an old crooner in Las Vegas doing the same old hits. And, you know, the fans have left the stage, but he's, he's still got the base. But I think there's some of them are quite hopeful, you know, that he will eventually go. He'll exit the stage because we are only a few months after the, you know, the election victory of Joe Biden. You know, it's a long time still until 2024, until the next election. He's just turning 75 now. You know, there's a lot that can still happen here in the next few years. So I think they're trying to kind of ride it out and play two horses, if you like, and see how this will play out. But polls are showing that he has got still phenomenal support among Republican voters. It only took about 15 minutes, but the impact could last and likely will for years. House Republicans voting to remove Liz Cheney from her leadership position this morning. They pushed her out because she refused to stop speaking out against former President Trump and the election lies. Liz Cheney might be held up as as an example of what happens if you cross Trump, because she was very, very critical of Trump in the aftermath of the Capitol Hill riots. And she was punished by losing her job, a very high profile job within the Republican Party. Will there be any fallout from that? And will will that have consequences for the party? Yeah, this was a really interesting story over the last few months. So Liz Cheney, she's a daughter of Dick Cheney, the former vice president. So, you know, died in the wool Republican, complete conservative from Wyoming. And she has, in the last year or so, she'd been one of the Republicans who'd kind of stood up to Donald Trump a bit. And this all culminated then with the Capitol Hill attack on January the 6th. And she called out Donald Trump repeatedly. Now, and again, getting back to what we discussed before, it's interesting that his dominance really kind of settled down a few months after the the memory of the Capitol riot faded. Because in the weeks after it, she faced a no-confidence vote. But she won it. Her, her party stuck with her and said, no, we still like Liz Cheney. She should still keep her job as a House Republican conference chair, an important job. But then a few months later, um, there was another vote against her just in May and she lost it. And it was like her her Republican colleagues did not like the fact she was still criticizing Trump, wanted her to move on. Now, she's she's going down, you know, with a fight. She's still in Congress. She's lost this leadership position. Um, but she is still in Congress. And I mean, her, her language has been very strong against Trump. After that vote was held in a, in a private room in the Capitol and they voted to remove her, she said, I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the day- She talked about his dangerous lies. She talked about the importance of speaking truths to the Republican voters out there. But yet she lost her job because of it. Um, but I don't know, she's one to watch. She is facing re-election now next year. And like lots of Republicans who have dared to cross Donald Trump, their big problem now is that 
They may be the phrases primary that other more right wing real Trump loyalists might run against them in the primary contests and try and, um, you know, take their the, the Trump vote, if you like. So that's going to be one of the key dynamics in next year's midterm elections, which are, you know, they're a while away yet. They're no, a year from next November. But I think that will tell us really how far Trump has a grip on the party. Another thing that they're doing, and this is happening in multiple states across the United States, particularly the Republican states, in fact, exclusively the Republican states, and that's seen legislators rushing to restrict voting to make voting harder for many people, mostly Democrats. What's been going on there and what impact is that likely to have on the midterm elections and then on the next presidential election in 2024? Yeah, so what's been happening across the country is that um, there have been efforts. So voting systems, if you like, are run at state level here. So, and some of them were, are more developed than others. So for example, in New York state during the election, people might've seen pictures in, you know, people in lines for hours and it was chaotic. And, but each state has a lot of power over how they run an election. So as I say, a lot of Republican controlled states now, like Georgia, are introducing new rules in their state legislature about voting, which a lot of people believe, including Joe Biden, is restricting voter rights. So um, clamping down on the use of postal votes, restricting the hours when people vote. A lot of these measures have been shown to uh, benefit Republican voters and white voters. And it, this is not just, you know, um, speculation. This, these cases have sometimes gone to the Supreme Court in this country. There's a lot of gerrymandering that happens in this country. Um, and there's a lot of efforts that people believe in the Supreme Court has ruled in some instances has been specifically to suppress the black vote, particularly in, in states like Georgia. So that's a real worry. And Joe Biden has talked a lot about it and he's tasked Kamala Harris with trying to deal with this. They're trying to pass new legislation in Congress at a federal level to try and improve that. So that's happening on one side. The other side is that some states, Arizona, now Arizona was a really interesting state because it voted for Joe Biden, but it was quite narrow. But Joe Biden won that state. Um, The Republican led Senate in Arizona is now conducting a recount, a bizarre recount of its largest county, Maricopa County, which is really most of the state, it's around Phoenix, saying that there was election fraud. Everyone knows, because there was already recounts and there were court challenges, that that is not going to change the results. It is not going to work. And Donald Trump did not win Arizona. But they are going through with that. And a lot of people are worried that that's showing a message, obviously sending a message uh, about democracy, that they don't trust their own electoral system. Now, there, the Republicans will say, well, if you've nothing to fear, why not just do the recount? But it's the fact that they feel that their supporters want that. Uh, And now other states, Pennsylvania, they have sent some of their local officials down to Arizona and are are saying, oh, we might try and do this now in Pennsylvania. Even though the election was settled there, there were court orders, there were recounts. We know that, you know, we know that Donald Trump lost the election. So um, that is also going on in parallel. So what what they're doing really is entrenching a deep scepticism among parts of the American populace about their own election system. But um, I don't think they realise or they just don't want to face up the the long-term damage that's doing to America's reputation. Coming up, will Trump run in the next presidential election? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So, Suzanne, I know it's uh, fairly far into the future, but do you get any sense now whether or not Donald Trump will run again in 2024? Well, he's certainly teasing that possibility. But who knows? Who knows? I may even decide to beat them for a third time, okay? He is a master of this, of, of keeping people guessing. And in any of the interview, very few interviews, but he has spoken on various news channels, he has not ruled it out, that's for sure. Um, but I think, A, his age is an issue. He's 75 at the moment. He's younger than Biden, though. He is, he is. And let's face it, in America, I mean, we've got, you know, very elderly people. Nancy Pelosi is over 80, Mitch McConnell in the Senate. You know, people live and work in Washington, D.C. right into their 80s here, and it's seen as, as very much acceptable. So, yes... Um, but I think the other issue playing on this calculation on his part will be his legal difficulties in the sense that he could face some kind of uh, legal challenges or prosecutions over his business affairs. And actually, it's it's worth touching on that, on that because there are multiple criminal investigations underway in, in, into his tax affairs and including, perhaps most notably, an investigation being led by the New York District Attorney's Office. When are we likely to know the outcome of those investigations and what do you think the consequences are likely to be for Donald Trump? Yeah, um, that, that is very significant. And I think this is the single biggest issue facing Donald Trump now and will determine whether or not he, he returns to politics. Um, it's the Manhattan District Attorney, as you said. He has been investigating Donald Trump for some time, but it stepped up a gear. The reports in the last month or so that he has subpoenaed uh, a grand jury and that's it, that his investigation is stepping up. Um, and this is into the activities of the Trump organization. Uh, they are reportedly looking into very much the, the business structures of the Trump organization. For example, Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, who turned against him, has talked about, uh, under oath, has talked about how Donald Trump revalued or undervalued properties uh, for tax uh, evasion um, reasons, essentially. Worryingly, I think, for the Trump uh, world is that in the last few days, there are reports that um, the, the district attorney subpoenaed uh, Jeffrey McConaughey, a, a Trump executive who's worked for him for over 30 years. Donald Trump could be in difficulty here. I mean, if he has, if this comes to fruition, we don't know if there's going to be an indictment, um, it could prove uh, serious for Donald Trump. In saying that, some people are saying even if he had a criminal past, he could still run for president, you know, maybe. Also, he's a hotelier. He's a builder. Um, he's an investor in, in things like, you know, golf courses. These have all done very badly around the world because of COVID. So this has not been a good time for his business anyway. Um, he's got a small team of advisors who are working with him in Mar-a-Lago. I've now moved up to New Jersey with him. And I think that is a lot of focus now for him, trying to sort out where his business interests are going and trying to fight uh, anything that's coming from this investigation. And you mentioned Liz Cheney a, f a few minutes ago, and she, she said that she will do everything in her power to stop Trump regaining the uh, White House. Is it possible that she or maybe another 
anti-Trump Republican could run in the 2024 election if Trump does decide to run to act as a spoiler and maybe split the Republican vote? Yeah, I think that's going to be the other uh, big variable when we think about a possible presidential run by Trump again is who else is going to be in the frame. So um, we've got a split, obviously, with the more moderate wing, the Liz Cheney, even though, as I said, she's just ultra conservative, but the anti-Trump wing. At the moment, as it happens, it's the Trumpers that are really in the ascendancy, I think, at the moment. So we've got some figures like um, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, um, Kirstie Noem, the governor of South Dakota. These are real Trump allies um, and they are enjoying quite good publicity at the moment. There is speculation they might run. And we've also people like Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State. They have been visiting states like New Hampshire, early voting states, saying, could they be considering a run? Um, Tom Cotton, a very conservative uh, senator from Alabama, who incidentally was the senator who blocked the E3 visa bill for Ireland. He's very anti-immigration. And um, these figures, and, and they're big figures, um, are seen as being in the running. So um, that's the calculation for them. And people like even Ted Cruz, you might consider a run. You know, they're trying to keep Trump sweet, but they may be a right. Trump may be a rival to them for the nomination. But I think what they are going to want is even if Trump doesn't win, who he endorses, his endorsement will be crucial. So that's why I think they're trying to kind of keep in with him, even as uh, they try to forge their own path at the same time. It's a delicate balance. But on the question of a more moderate, yes, I mean, I mentioned Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland. He's a kind of an anti-Trumper, Liz Cheney. Um, but there are not that many of them. Unfortunately, I think they're um, the anti-Trumpers in the Senate that, that once existed, they've either retired or people like John McCain who passed on. Um, there is not a, a very strong figure on the anti-Trump side at the moment that we can see kind of breaking out at this point. And finally, if I could ask you to look even deeper into your crystal ball and try and imagine a world post-Trump. Who do you think the natural heirs to Trumpism will be? Will they be within his own family or will they be, as you say, somebody like DeSantos or Pompeo or whoever it might be? Who do you think is going to be the natural heir to Donald Trump? Well, I think there's a lot of speculation about Trump's own family, but so far they don't seem to be suggesting they will run. Um, his daughter, Lara Trump, had been expected to run next year. And she said in North Carolina, she said at the event that Trump spoke at a few weeks ago that she wasn't going to do that for now. Also, Ivanka has run out, has, has ruled out any kind of run for political office in Florida. People have speculated about that. Um, and Donald Trump Jr., I don't think so. Frankly, I just don't think he has the political communication skills or talent, if you like, of his own father. I just I just can't see that happening, even though he's uh, very, very popular with a certain sector the, of, of the base. Uh, I think it's more likely the people like Ron Santis, people like Matt Gates from Florida and Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a very right wing congresswoman from Georgia. They've kind of been doing a MAGA tour around the country in the last few weeks. He's got his own problems, Matt Gates, but they are really, you know, flying the flag for Trump in Congress. They see themselves as the heirs. They, they, they want to benefit from the political support that Donald Trump has. It's a valuable commodity at the end of the day. And they see that they are somebody who can, you know, inherit that. The other person who's interesting to watch, I think, is Nikki Haley, who's a former ambassador to the UN. I think she would be a very strong candidate on the Republican side. She's a conservative, but she criticised Donald Trump after the Capitol Hill riot. And then he kind of criticised her and she didn't allow her come to visit him in Mar-a-Lago, punished her. So if she's able to kind of ride that out, I think she will be one to watch too in the next uh, election. Suzanne Lynch, thank you very much for talking to us. In the News will be back on Monday.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 